With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, you guys? How's everybody going doing? I apologize for that. We are a little tardy for the party. Um, my co-host is on his way. He'll be here in momentarily. But I just want to say good afternoon to everybody. I didn't want to, I wanted to respect everyone's time because we really appreciate you all being here. Yeah, I know, Abby. I know you're playing double duty right now. I know, I know. <laughs> hey, nappy child. How you doing, babes? I ain't seen you in a while, girl. Well, I mean, I seen you in Ill Teddy's chat. You know what I'm saying? How's everybody doing? So um, we will wait for our co-host to get here. But in the meantime and in between time, I just want to thank you all for being here. Uh, I want to thank everybody who has subscribed. We are we are growing slowly but steady, but we are growing. And with that being said, today we're going to talk to you guys about where we are with the, with the school reopening project um, and everything that's going on with the school reopening. I've gotten some reports in different areas. Hold on.
Lord, it's always my fault when El, when El Teddy is late. It is always my fault. I sent him the wrong link, y'all. He was he was over in my chat for my live later on tonight, waiting for me. Anyway, hey Sylvia, hey Shakira, caramel kisses, kisses. Welcome everyone to the room. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I appreciate everybody for being here. Listen, all I can say is, you know, I'm sorry. Look, trying to do too much too fast too soon. All right, give me the thumbs up when you're ready, sir. Hello, how are you? Mm -hmm. Be quiet. <laughs> I'm trying to make it like it was me. Mm -mm. I, no, I just admitted that it wasn't you. I just admitted it was me. I just admitted it was me. So, how's um? So, how are you doing today, sir? I saw you I'm were cutting great. up a little earlier. You were cutting up a little bit. Me? You? Ooh. Yes, sir. You? Yes, yes, sir. You? I saw you were so I was like, okay. So I guess he he killing time till we get there. Yeah, I was killing time, and I got off in enough time. You did, I and I see some of your people and you were not over. And you were not there. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but at least you can't say you don't had a link for tonight. You say, well, it is Friday though. You if said I, if you let me on, if you let me on. <laughs> <laughs> You said I only let you on on Friday. Mm -hmm. I might get on today. <laughs> Don't do that. Hey, everybody. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. I think, I don't know that. I think that was me. No, that's my internet. It's been, okay. It's been real sketchy. Yeah, mine has been acting up today too. So maybe it's just a combination of the maybe two. Comcast and their level brand of foolery. Yeah, because I, I that's who I have too is Comcast. So yeah, I guess that's who it is then. So how have you been? It's been a, it's been about two weeks. So how how are things going in the adult education side of things? How are you doing? I've been doing Hawaii all week and areas like Guam and in this. Pacific, so I've been having late nights, but it's been cool. Yeah, that's been giving you more time to be on here during the day, cutting up though. Right, right. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> yeah. So you listen. It's been a very interesting thing trying to navigate the normal day to day functioning of a school from your living room. It's it's a lot. It is a lot, um, and it ain't easy. I do have a question for you. What's up? And maybe you know this goes into um, everything. So in my home area, I told you how Broward County, the next county over from Miami-Dade County, sixth largest school district in this country, they have um, made it a point to say that they're going back to face-to-face -face, um, classes on October 5th, the week of October 5th. Mm -hmm. It was two weeks. It was well, we got the next, I should say. And there's so much politically involved with that because the week of October 5th is the start of FTE. And FTE is that um that period of time is a 10-day period where they take a snapshot of every school within the um state to see how many students actually are not just enrolled, but actually sitting in a classroom. And that's how you get credit 
for okay this school has and that's the week during the um and if you are from certain areas you know that's the week where they tell you they do all kinds of things have little incentives for students to make sure they're in school during that week they'll even tell us teachers make sure you have some kind of important test or an assignment do that week to kind of have make sure the students are there because that's when the state takes the, your state board of education or whatever will take their snapshot across <clears throat> that um the, the state to see who's actually sitting in a classroom and then mm -hmm. they'll to allocate funds so it seems to me that they're playing politics with people's, with people's lives and lives because now you're more hell-bent on um making sure that you get credit for these kids sitting in the class perhaps with the safety and well-being now i say that to say this the superintendent of schools of the um, Broward county schools is black and a man and is liberal aligned so i don't want you all to think or to be confused and to think that this is relegated to one side of the aisle this can have it's all money you know money reigns supreme in all of this and so i don't know whether or not in your area or surrounding areas um whether or not you've started to see things like that i don't know when you, you all have you all's um uh, um validity and accountability period in your respective areas but i don't know if you had started to see things like that as well well i have seen it around the country um here the closest district that i know of and somebody who lives in the area may know differently the closest district that i know of is fairfax county schools they are supposed to go back in october don't have the exact date but they're supposed to go back in october um i some of the counties in maryland but they're they're on the the red part of the state i would say they're and i know this is not making it political i'm just saying they're closer to like pennsylvania they're going out like in the the more rural areas of maryland they're, those counties are they're not opening back up for students but they're opening back up for teachers which you know is only the stepping stone for them to let yep. the kids back in um and they've already said i was looking at a news report on wednesday and they've already said that teachers can opt out if they have a medical pre you know a medical issue but they cannot opt out if someone in their household has a medical issue and they are already seeing resignations and they're wow. already talking about how there's going to be a shortage and i'm like well duh like you're telling me that if my husband is sick i can't opt out well then what you make what you're telling me is i got to make a decision between my job and my family that's what you're telling me so yeah but as far as like now they just said something yesterday that the governor of maryland has just cleared fall sports to start next month and i'm thinking so we're not ready to go back into a classroom but y'all ready to play sports really like really that makes sense to somebody so mm. i am but i do notice around the country i am seeing school districts. i know in north carolina they've announced a plan to start going back I, I don't have the dates in front of me. I think I think Abby sent us the breakdown in the group chat, but I don't have the dates in front of me right now. But the I know um, mm -hmm. a friend of mine teaches in North Carolina, and she's like, I don't like she's scared. She's like, you know, well, I, 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 
I kind of saw the fall sports happening. I think they wanted to wait to see from the NFL level to the NCAA level and let that trickle down to the high school level. Um, and they and I feel like they saw, okay, if they can do it, then perhaps we can do it. Mind you that the numbers go up uh, exponentially on at each level. The NFL roster carries about, what, 53-man roster, whereas a college roster may have 100 uh, students on that roster. A high school roster could also have, a, depending, equal amount of numbers, depending on the district or whatnot. And so I felt like they were waiting with regard to school sports to see. Let's see how the NFL does. Oh, the NFL's okay. All right, let's see how um, NCAA does. Oh, uh, because even the Big Ten and the Pac-12, which at first said that they would not be playing football um, or fall sports this fall, have backpedaled on that. And they have started to say, okay, I could, we could see a date for us reopening fall sports. So I, I kind of saw that coming on the high school level because it's big money, especially when you start to talk about um, some states like a Texas or Florida, where there are high school football games whose revenue dwarfs college games in um, some of these larger states where high school sports reign supreme. So I, these, like I said earlier, money is is going to be the, the agent with which a lot of moves are made within the education sector. A lot of money. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like the college level, I definitely, I, I get the college level. But on the high school level, I'm like, really? It's not that serious. Like, especially Maryland is not a college state. That's not to say that we don't have athletes, college athletes, but it's not like Texas. It's not like Friday Night Lights here. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I, I just feel like you are pressing to go back in a, you know, in a situation where you don't even have protocols in place for the kids to go to school every day, but you are going to put protocols in place for a locker room, for practice, for a game, but for that, people coming into the stands. You know what I'm saying? So part of that is like we have parents, many of which are in our chats or maybe watching our replay, who said, oh, you need to keep my child out of school. I'm worried about my child's safety. On the other side of the um, position, you also have those parents that say, listen, my child is a senior. And I need for him to get this scholarship to whatever school. And I need as many eyes on him as I can. And this is our ticket to getting my child into college via whatever athletic scholarship. So you better believe I want my child to be able to play football or volleyball or whatever fall sports or cross country, whatever fall sports are going on um, for that reason as well. So I do understand when you, when you have district and you know, how rabid some of those um, parents of athletes are. Those parents. Oh, I get it. I, I mean, I, I get it. I'm just, I'm just stating it for the purposes of the mm -hmm. conversation. I definitely understand the, the motivation behind it. All I'm saying is again, once again, we prove as a country where our priorities are. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Once again, once again exactly. because again, you're not working that hard to figure out how I can safely go back to school, which we've already established there really isn't a safe way to happen. But 
you're willing to risk and the parents are too because there wouldn't be a push for it if the parents weren't pushing it exactly i mean we saw what was it the big 10 where the parents sued the big 10 mm -hmm. over the over their kids not playing football and i like, think and i say this especially to my parents um of color they don't sometimes understand the power that they wield the the power that they have parents are the most powerful entity in all of education they're more powerful than the politicians than the educators than the students parents have way more power than they give themselves credit for and i think they 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 give away their power they, you know they and end up coalescing to the 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 beliefs and thoughts of other parents who are not afraid to um throw around their weight well and here's the reality i think i think parents do realize their power i think they don't understand i don't think they understand that it's power i don't i don't know how to word what i'm thinking and what i mean by that is the same parents that will go down to the school board complain picket whatever 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 that same power exists in other areas of the school system so i think yeah they know their power when it's something that's important to them the same parent that'll go down when their child got suspended for starting a fight that's the same power that you yield as a parent when you feel like your kid isn't getting the education that they deserve or you feel like the, that your kid isn't getting the support that they you, you see what i'm saying so mm -hmm. they know the power they just choose to use it not always use it effectively. Maybe that's the best way I could put that. <laughs> so let me read a couple of these comments. So um, to answer your question, um, young, rich, um, a skinny dot dog, uh, the, my best suggestion for you as far as wanting to go back to school, but you don't want um, the debt is look for grants. That's the only thing. Look for scholarships and grants. There are a lot of them out there. You got to do the work, but they're, they're out there. That's the only thing I can say is look for some programs, look for some grants. Other than that, I don't know what to tell you um button um jessica said that seattle washington school districts are polling parents to see if they reopen if the reopening would bring if they reopen would they bring their kids to school but will continue to offer remote learning so they're going to give you guys the option okay if there was enough uh quintessential said when i saw the hoopla for Deion sanders coaching at jsu i knew they were going to trickle down to high school for sports well I mean, look, look at the NFL. I mean, we knew, I mean, the NFL never questioned whether they were going to yeah, have they, they never, they, that was never they an issue. Never waver. They never, it was never an issue. Mm -mm. Nope. Remember the NFL is the only sport that hasn't been affected. I mean, prior to this hockey had to shut down. Baseball had to shut down. Basketball had to shut down. The season was over for football. The Super yeah. Bowl had already happened. So yeah, I mean, training camp was affected and things like that. And preseason. But we still are losing money with regard to uh, fans. They're losing money on the side. Yeah, they're definitely losing money on the other side now. But what I mean is, prior to this, they right. weren't affected the same way these other sports have been affected. And how they, like the NFL, the NBA had to come up with this whole bubble situation to salvage some of their season. And the same thing with the NHL and with hockey. Like, they just didn't have that same issue. And you heard Jerry Jones say from the very beginning, he said, Oh, we will have football and I will have people in the stands. And Texas Stadium is one of the few stadiums that have people in the stands. So, you know. Hey, Miss Honey, how you doing, babes? Um, Ebby was saying, oh, Charlotte Mecklenburg start going back October the 1st, and it looks like there's a staggered schedule. 
pre-k it's it's for pre-k through what 10 12 middle school oh the date i'm sorry october the 12th is middle school so pre-k starts october 1st middle school october the 12th high school is november the 2nd am i reading that right no high school is november the 29th middle school is november the 2nd okay whatever they going back october the first child and it looks like it's a staggered schedule looks like it's a staggered schedule so yeah i um it'll be interesting i'm sure like my school district said they will revisit in in december um we were out for the first semester and they will revisit in december i i believe we're going to be going back in February. um i mean if you want i do have my <laughs> reopening in terms of person by person uh person, no, in person. Next time. i don't want that okay, if we yeah, can do that next time Dear God, <laughs> get my own. right. You have to, you have to be fully lubricated when we do that. I have to, I have to give you time to, to have your water ready. <laughs> we'll do the, we'll do this, the state by state next time. Because I think, I really think a lot of places are opening or looking at opening in October. Um, and for most school districts that started before Labor Day, that's about first quarter, give or take. Because we're going into week. Five or week six, I think we're going into week five. So you figure that's midway through. I I know most. I know, for example, like in um, the state of Florida, uh, it's state law. You cannot start school prior to um, two weeks. The earliest you can start school is two weeks prior to Labor Day. So they usually start. They every district usually tries to start around that time. The first quarter. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Generally ends mid-October. Somewhere around, they, they because they try to get that first FTE out of the way during that first quarter. And so even if they have to push it to 10 weeks instead of nine, they will squish that in there. So they try to have, just to give you a gauge, they will try to have for a school district that starts around the middle of August, they generally in that first quarter, mid-October. Yeah, I know um, my biggest concern, and, and, and maybe this is getting ready to sound very selfish when I say this, My and, and this is something that I've seen when I go on my little, you know, my, my, my teachers of TikTok and my support groups on Facebook, these are the conversations that I'm hearing from teachers who are in hybrid situations. You're doing double the work because the expectation is that you're going to teach the kids who choose to come to school. 
you're teaching them all day long. Then for the students who choose not to come to school, now you have to turn around and you have to make sure you're doing your Google Classroom, you're updating those assignments, you're grading those assignments, and you're really doing double the work. But not and getting double the pay. You damn sure not gonna get double the pay. You're not even gonna get no kind of stipend. Like I could even see if they said, okay, well, we go, we need you guys to clock your hours that you're logged in after three o'clock and we'll give you a stipend. Like I know when I coached, um, when I coached or when I did clubs, there were stipends involved in that extra time mm -hmm. that I spent at school and those extra time that I did those those activities. Like those, there were stipends involved. And um, the hybrid is done simultaneously, Abby, but what I'm saying is so even if you have kids that are logged in at the same time you're in the building teaching, those kids are still submitting work electronically. Those kids are still in an elect. You still have to they can't get a physical piece of paper. You still have to do an electronic mm -hmm. situation. And that's I don't think people understand how time consuming that can be, especially yeah. if I can hand a work. I mean, for the lack of a better if I can hand a worksheet to a kid in front of me. I can't upload a PDF. It, they can't I have to do a whole process to create a worksheet that can be manipulated. Like it's a whole process. And so that you legit without and I'm this is not even me exaggerating and El Teddy if I'm if I'm exaggerating you can tell me I am but you can legit spend up to another 2 to 3 hours after you've taught your classes all day just making sure that all the materials are there and manipulated and are you the kids can use them and grading the work and doing attendance like it's a whole different situation that you have to deal with with the hybrid situation I i'm mean, sure some are executed better than others but it's still a lot it's a lot it i i think that um too you have to uh contend with there's a large population of the education sector of the, of the professional educators who are just not um Techno as technologically savvy as maybe they people would like them to be. And so something as simple as providing a lecture may become, for example, I, I'm very intellectually savvy. I will give myself that. But in the classroom, I probably use less technology than a lot of people because I like my whiteboard. I like being able to, I'm, I teach writing. And the first thing I learned about writing is, how do you teach, I used to ask my department chair, how do you teach writing? Her name was Miss Sweats. And she said, writers write. That's what they do. I said, what does that mean? She said, writers write. If you are going to teach writing, you will write. If your students are gonna learn writing, they are going to write. So I, I'm the type of teacher. My point is, long story short, I do a lot of manipulation on the whiteboard where I do a lot of writing out for the students. As you can probably imagine, that looks very different online. That's not something yeah. you understand yeah. what I'm saying. I, whereas I could walk around the classroom and see, OK, this student is writing these notes. I can see little Johnny or little Jane over here physically writing down the notes. I even have a portion during the class where I sign off at the bottom of the notes to make sure that you took all of the notes. Online, it's not as simple. If I'm watching you on yeah. Zoom, you might not be writing nothing. And, and, that's, the issue. And, typing. and that's part of the issue it's that not. I'm running into is I create in my classroom, I do, I, I do what's called a living notebook. We are constantly doing 
graphic organizers and 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 charts and you know i'm we're constantly putting things in our notebook it's not just them sitting in front of me writing notes we are creating a living document that they can constantly use and refer back to throughout the year and it's all organized and all that and you know i spend a lot of time getting my kids to figure you know teaching them how to set all that stuff up and i'm missing that i can't tell you how many times i wish i had a whiteboard in front of me and i could just write stuff down when i'm trying to explain it to them and i could give them the visual and it's just it's it's and i thought i was pretty tech savvy i mean i knew i wasn't an expert but i thought i was intermediate i wouldn't put myself at advance but i didn't think i was beginner but i'm realizing that i'm not as I'm not as intermediate as i thought i was at least not when it comes to a lot of these online programs now once i learn how to do them i'm great i can figure stuff out but it's the matter of being exposed to them figuring out how to make them work and then figuring out the best way to incorporate them into my lesson you know it's it's just a lot and again i'm not complaining because it is what it is but I, I it's just a lot to it it's just a lot of steps miss button jessica said that um her school district, the kids, they print out worksheets and the parents have to pick up the packets and all that. And I know um, a friend of mine, that's what they were doing for his daughter, her elementary school. Um, and to be honest with you, sometimes I kind of wish we they had given us that option, even though I'm not the biggest fan of just a bunch of packets. I'm not. But there are some materials that we, we would do in class that I wish... Like for example, I have a whole activity that I do with my kids on at the beginning of the school year on primary, secondary sources. And it's just, you know what I mean? It's little stuff like that because you would be surprised how many ninth graders don't know the difference. So it's little things like that that I wish I could kind of do, um, but they haven't given us that option that <laughs> um, as far as picking up packets, but even that could be time consuming by the time you put those packets together and stuff. But I would, I, I'm not complaining, I would do it. Um, if I they mean, had given I, I mean, you take for granted certain things like just something as small as anything that you give, you have to take for granted that a child is going to tell you, oh, I don't have a printer. So everything has to be able to be manipulated on screen or on whatever device that they're using. So now, whereas you can say, well, write this down. Now you have to have things made in a manner and um, manipulate it in a, in a way which allows that student to um, interact with it online, whereas, you know, normally it would be pen to paper and different things like that. Think about a class like math where you're doing computations and a lot of the computations does involve um, writing it down, seeing it, seeing a student work through the process because you know a math teacher will tell you i need to see the process i'm more concerned with your process more than i am the answer you know little things like that that just make it where you got to learn okay what fonts lend itself to mathematical computation because there are certain fonts that you can um have that lend itself to that so just all of those little things um come into question you then have to um then think about um um you know assessments and testing project-based learning and all of those things not that they were not in place in the school system before because i saw someone said something to that effect however it's always been in tandem I, you don't want to just be relegated to one mechanism because that's not how people learn there are there's uh there are several methods 
with which students learn. There's several um, ways in which um, cognition happens. Um, and, and so the fact that um, in a lot of cases it, with the Zoom meetings and with the pandemics, you are relegated to one or two methods of cognition or methods of um, that student being taught. What about the kinesthetic learners? What if, what if you're that student who's more so kinesthetic where they need manipulatives and they need to be able to touch and feel on things? What about, um, you're, I, and I'm not going to go through all of the different styles and forms of learning, but I'm just giving you examples of um, the fact that there's a lot um, that goes into it and there's a lot of different ways. And I saw, um, Miss Hunter, you mentioned electronic gradebook. But the reason a good teacher has so many different ways to attack an assignment or ways to teach a different area is for the differentiation of instruction. Differentiation, absolutely. There is no different. Well, I go say there isn't any. It's a lot all the students. You got to be able to meet the needs of all the students. And so I would venture to say that if they do a study on this school year or this time period during the pandemic, there's a lot larger percentage of students that maybe be the learning curve may be leaving them behind because their needs are just not being met we haven't even begun to un, to um, grapple with and unpack the whole special ed part of it piece of it and the accommodations that may or may not be being met by students who need accommodations because they just can't be via you know the yeah internet and yeah, and young rich, you, uh, we you know we've mentioned that a few times since this this pandemic shut the schools down that so many school districts were outdated or are outdated. So many school districts, you would think that in twenty twenty would be ready for remote learning or one to one devices or would have it, but the reality is that they just were not. And you're right, Miss Honey, this could this could absolutely be a catalyst to push us to that point. Unfortunately, so many school districts are. I know I'm gonna speak for my school district. They keep using the, excuse me, we're building the plane while we're flying. So much of it is they're figuring it out as they go along because there was no plan. And even though they had all summer to plan for a lot of this, there are still so many questions that just haven't been addressed. And so your point is valid. So you said upload um, the work via an app called Seesaw. Yeah, I've heard of Seesaw. I've heard of Seesaw. Mm -hmm. The other part is it becomes... My grandfather used to talk about, um, used to tell us all the time, you can either learn how to swim at the beach or you can learn how to swim at the um, at the pool. And what I mean by that is this. When, at the beach, you go from the shallow water to the not, you know, and you get gradually to, you know, immerse yourself in the water. When you go to the public pool to learn how to swim, you know what they do? They throw you in the uh, 20 foot deep pool and say, just try and swim before they finally teach you the strokes and stuff like that, but they just throw you in the deep end. And so it feels like they're throwing the whole education system in the deep end in a lot of districts, as opposed to having them at the beach where you say, okay, this year we want you to implement this. Next year, we're going to take you a little deeper. You're going to implement that. The following year, where maybe you had a two or three year progressive plan to get education there as opposed to just saying oh we're just gonna throw y'all in the deep end 
And so when you do that, throw it in the deep end, not only are the teachers affected, meaning the education process is affected. So now you're affecting the students and their learning that's actually taking place. It's, it's, it's a lot that goes into it. It is a lot. It is a lot. And Miss Honey, let me tell you something about that electronic notebook. Listen, I was going to set up an electronic notebook for my students. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. And I'm not saying I still won't do it. I'm just saying it's a lot. Mm -hmm. Now, once you get it set up, okay, great. But listen, it's a lot. <laughs> and then you, what you got to think about, too, is you talk about a regular high school teacher who could have anywhere from the low end in my old districts or all of the districts I've been in on the low end, you could have 125 students on the high end. You could have upwards of close to 200 students. Imagine that many electronic grade books that you have to check for any one assignment. And that's just one assignment. Listen, it's a it lot. And again, it, it, it can become yeah, very and again, I don't want to come off that I'm complaining, but I need y'all to understand that there's no easy solution. No, no, there's no, there's no perfect answer. There's no easy solution. You know, I do want to clear something up. Young Rich, um, I think you mean, I think you're confusing students who have mental illness with students who have special needs. A student who um, is blind or can't talk or, or is mute or can't walk, that doesn't equal mental illness. They have a learning disability or they may have a disability, but that doesn't equal mental illness. But I understand the point I think you're trying to make. I just want to clear that up. I don't want... I don't want to confuse the two. Um, okay, hold on. I'm getting caught up on the on the uh, on the uh, the statements here. Give give it two years and assess students who are in K one and they're in. We'll see the. You know what? Anybody that's wanting to write a dissertation, listen. The next two mm -hmm. years, there's gonna be so many studies done. There's gonna be so much data. There's going to be so, listen, there's going to be so much. And, and in most states, I'm almost every state, in almost every state, that third grade is accountability grade. Almost every state you can think of. Third grade is accountability grade because they want to know and they want to be able to. Now, people, you know, your conspiracy theorists, people are going to start to talk about um, prison pipelines and all of that stuff streaming from third grade. You hear a lot of that. But, and that's a real thing, too. That's a whole other argument but what i'm saying is that third grade snapshot or accountability lets you know where that student is cognitively how they learn where their deficiencies are and it's going to stay with them and carry them forward through you know the the higher grade so it's going to be if you have a child in k1 right now these are scary times because you are just starting to know and understand how that child learns, their method um, and style of learning, cognition. You know, uh, the whole term metacognition is going to be like, oh, my God, um, in, in two or three years, like um, they're saying. Uh -oh. Very curious. Okay. Uh -oh. okay. Um valid absolutely valid um miss honey that's a really good question so here's what i'm gonna say about the difference between what's going on now and online schools a couple of differences one an online school is set up for that that's the plan that's what they're that's the foundation that's what it is mm -hmm. the two the second 
a child who signs up for the online school is prepared. They have the laptop, they have the, the Wi-Fi, they have the printer, they have it's a and it's a it's it's a system that has already been set up. Mm -hmm. Um, and the third thing that I'm gonna say is that just like with anything else, not all online schools are successful. That doesn't mean it can't work for, for you know different strokes, different folks. There are some people that is a very successful program for. But I told you guys when I was at the jail, when I was working at the jail and we had a kid who was being homeschooled, and when she got there, she didn't even know her password. She didn't even know her login. You know why? Because her mother had been doing her work. So, you the, know. The, um, the thing so, about it is with um, virtual schools, virtual schools have been in most school systems for some time now. Um, for some time, they already like uh, like my colleague said, they already had a plan in place. The other thing about it is um, the students that voluntarily and I'm going to use that word voluntarily signed up to be a part of virtual school knew what they were signing up for. They knew what the program was like. If it worked for them, they stayed and they flourished. If it did not work for them, then a lot of them got out of it. Um, now, I said voluntarily because there are areas like, for example, in Florida. In Florida, if a student fails a class, they do get the option so that they're not, um, they don't have to necessarily repeat a school year. They do have the option to do that course um, the following year or maybe that summer through virtual school. And their counselor can sign them up for virtual school. The problem with that is students find out really quickly that they're not ready for that in a lot of cases because a lot of that is self-guided self-directed where it's more so like a college online course the teacher puts up the syllabus they put up the assignments that you're going to do they make themselves available during these times of the day on these days of the week where a student can call them or interact with them online and get help but for the most part 75 to 80 percent of their course is self-directed from the student and um, there's, I, I don't know what the percentages are for students that can deal with that, but I would venture to say a lot of students right now are being thrown into that and that's not what they can deal with. Right. A um, couple of good things, you guys. So Discovering Dez, who is a special education teacher, he said that the requests have already started to spike. And I'm going to come back to that. El Teddy, remind me of the story I told you earlier this week about the email I got from a parent. Um, and then discovering that also said, um, the other thing to add to that is those teachers who are teaching in an online school have been trained for that. Mm -hmm. And that also makes a difference. I was never trained to teach virtually. They already I, have I'm learning as I fly. <laughs> they already have the platforms in place. They have had the professional development so that they can learn how to deal with it, interact with those platforms. Like all of those systems are in place, but the system was not built to have the number of or the percentages of students and teachers on the virtual platform that we have now or that are being right. forced to deal with that now because right. of the pandemic. And Young Rich, that's not a dumb question. I can, t I can only tell you what my school policy is. If a student, first of all, our sessions are recorded. Um, I had a situation to be the first week of school. That was a whole nother story. But um, if there is an issue where a teacher has to put a child out of class due to behavior or disruption or whatever, our policy is that the child is not allowed to come back into class until there's a meeting with the parent. Um, because again, we have the documentation, the, the, the sessions are recorded. 
So there's no question about what your child did or did not do. Um, you know, so yeah, your child is put out of class. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They're kicked out of the Zoom um, and they're not it's allowed. Been there, so can you drop the link? Oh, sure. Um, um, and they're not allowed back in until um, until um, there's a meeting with the parents. So, yeah. That um, I don't. These are things that, unfortunately, a lot of school districts and a lot of administrations did not plan for, only because it was still fluid on whether or not school districts were going to go back. It was still fluid on and um, dynamic and not static on what was going to actually happen with regard to in-person schools if you remember this school i mean this summer as i was reading all of those states it was changing week to week and so there wasn't enough time sometimes to put the disciplinary processes in place action plans and so forth and so now you do have some administrations and some school districts that are doing it as a as you go situation they're addressing the needs in terms of discipline as situations arise. And um, unfortunately, you know, I, I think that um, parents and students and teachers alike have to be cognizant of that, that, you know, it's, it's nobody's fault where where, where are we are, where, where we are. And we have to make um, exceptions and we have to allow for you know things to be fluid and change um real quick i'm about to bring on des um button jessica i'm sorry we as educators tend to speak in acronyms sometimes sped is special education <laughs> we do it all the time we do it to each other <laughs> we tend to speak in our acronyms so yes yeah, yeah, like esl is english um right well, ESOL, yeah 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 and don't even you don't even want to get Des talking about all his acronyms. Right, like, yeah. Yeah. Got like eight thousand acronyms. I have, I have to, I have a resource of short shorthand. Right, back to it's, it's really a lot. Uh, awesome. Good evening, everybody. I just want to say hey before jump in. Really, no. Thanks for joining. And for those who are new. Who don't know this is discovering des he is also a creator y'all go check his channel out but he is yes, also a wonderful you, educator you. and he teaches our our special education students yes. and so he has a whole different challenge and his challenge is even different from my challenge as far as the pandemic is concerned because going back to the point you were making young rich the kids who have already have and who have already been identified as special education we know they've already been identified that they have challenges in a traditional school setting yes. and so you know, it, it makes it even a, a lot harder when you can't put mm -hmm. your—I don't mean violently, but you can't put your hands. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> right. So go ahead, um, Des. You have the floor, sir. 
Uh, I'll just say that it has been a very interesting transition, uh, returning back to work and actually having to go back on campus. Because like most schools, around March 16th, we went home and whatnot, uh, and then transitioned into, uh, I guess you'd say, a virtual school. I wouldn't really count it as a virtual school. It was more of a temporary model, in my opinion. Uh, but it was interesting having to deal with that and also dealing with life in like quarantine. Like it was just a really big adjustment because when you think about teaching, you're around a lot of people throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, so that was a real big adjustment for me. Uh, but now moving into the new year, this is my third year teaching uh, fifth grade special ed. Uh, it's been it's been a turbulent year already. <laughs> like it's it's really it's you have a story every day. You, you know, know what I'm talking about y'all, Des, and 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 I almost hate it for you because normally that third year is where you kind of get your legs underneath you. And it's like sometimes I got it, but then yeah, somebody come so, along yeah. and punch me in my face. Like, okay, I can handle <laughs> this. I, I kind of I'm getting in the groove. And yeah. that's all thrown topsy turvy because Absolutely. of the pandemic, where all of us are, you know, pushed into first year teaching mode because yeah. everybody's yeah. learning. Forget <laughs> it. Yeah. Everybody's learning how to do discipline over right. the internet and and how to you know create <laughs> lessons over the internet and instruct over there. So everybody yeah. heard back and in. And then right. they put so many things on you, like we can't make the kids come on camera. So I don't even know if my kids are there or not. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, it ain't nothing like when you dismiss the class and everybody log off and it's like one kid that's still in there. Right. You're like, like, you're like hello, because you know that that means that for whatever reason they are not at their computer. Anymore. Right. <laughs> whatever right. reason, you know. And of course, then they email you twenty minutes later with this excuse: "I was in the bathroom. I was doing this. I didn't know." But child, mm -hmm. I had a kid. I literally. But so let me tell you no, this story. You won't, act, uh, uh, you won't be ignorant, John. No, go ahead. I... No, it's not. Uh, uh That's what we're here for. We mm -hmm. are here to answer the questions, and none of them are ignorant questions because right. if you don't know, you don't know. It's, um, it is an open floor. So let me tell you this story while Jonathan is typing his question. So I got an email last week or earlier this week. I think it was El Teddy. Was it earlier this week? I think it was. That was. I think it was last in the last. Maybe week. it was last week. So I got an email from a parent, Des, and the, the email said, "You know, dear Miss So and So." Mm -hmm. Since the pandemic, and I've been working with my daughter, I noticed <laughs> struggling with a lot of the material. Uh -huh. And so I've now requested that she be tested because she needs a lot of extra support. Now, this is a ninth grade student. And you know, the first thing I said to El Teddy was, how many teachers told you your child needed help? Whether they said it that bluntly or not. How many times were you told that your child, but because you've been working with your child since the pandemic, because she said in the even since the pandemic, so right. since you've been working with your child, now all of a sudden your child no, is in ninth grade and you want her tested for special ed. I oh, but I didn't tell you this part, El Teddy. That after I got that email, my kids took a quiz, <laughs> right? She got a 100 on the quiz. Who you think took the quiz? Who do you think took the quiz? <laughs> I said, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Oh god. Like <laughs> like what her like how was her academic history looking like? Has she had struggles in the past or was it just now the onset of virtual learning? 
I think she already had academic problems. When I looked, when I pulled her eighth grade data, mm-hmm. it wasn't great. But again, you can't really look at the eighth grade data because last year was so crazy. Right. So right. you can't really because there was no comparison. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it just it's it's not as valid as right. Like the last data point was spring. Like that's a big gap of time in education time. You're not Absolutely. gonna compare yeah. the fall semester to the last winter. Yes, you'll look at the fall and then look at how they change from spring right. to spring. Right. But that's just a, that's an yeah, odd Yeah, I have a fall snapshot, make. but I don't have anything past that. Right. You know, I, I, most schools district, the last real good snapshot they had was that midpoint, like midterm, midpoint assessments. That's the last real good snapshot because yeah. a lot of districts at the around that February March mm-hmm. time, getting ready yep. to have that last snapshot before yep. statewide assessments and things like that. We were going to have our district assessment mm-hmm. like three or four yeah. weeks after. Yeah, uh, we didn't have any any spring testing, none, nothing. And that's just, it's weird because like that's what you that's what you're pushing for every year. Yep. Yep. So. Jonathan, uh, when you Jonathan, say D-E-D, do you mean uh, behavior uh, emotionally deserved or uh, y'all see? Disorder? We immediately, you know, <laughs> said behavior right, because the acronym. one, there's a lot of acronyms, yeah, two, they change because mm-hmm. uh, it used to be EBD. Yeah. Um, I think it used to be EBD back in the day. The categories and the labels they move deserve. around so much. Mm-hmm. And it's all chasing a dollar sign a lot of the time. Listen, do you know how many do you know how many due process hearings we about to see? Yeah, we've we've been trying to prepare ourselves. <laughs> I can't pre- even imagine. And due process is when it is a remedy for a parent when they feel like their child who has been identified as having a special um need and has an IEP, an individual education plan. Mm-hmm when those needs aren't being met legally, right. when the school does not meet the legal um, mandate of a child who's been identified, right? Yeah. So the due process is the parent's remedy. Contrary mm-hmm. to popular belief, a parent doesn't win money. A parent wins more resources and more services. Mm-hmm. Now, you can file class action lawsuits, and that's that gets into a whole nother... DC was under a, um, and a, class a lot of times what ends up being what ends up happening is those students end up getting pushed along because a lot of times the parents they just want the child to pass on to the next grade mm-hmm. they really a lot of times are not as concerned about the learning that's taking place they just want to make sure that child is pushed along to the next grade I'm not saying all but in a lot of right. cases that is the case and so a, a principal or a school district will go to that teacher and, and tell that teacher oh you're going to change this grade because we don't have this kind of time effort or energy right but then that comes with a lot of fines for the school district a lot of because you don't violate it uh federal laws and all kinds of stuff so IDEA will that on your when I, worked, <laughs> I worked in dc dc was under a uh, um receivership for almost my whole tenure in DC, there was a major, major uh, special education lawsuit called Blackman Jones. You may be familiar, Des, if you guys are not, look it up. And D- it was a class action suit that was filed against DC public schools. And mm-hmm. as a result, there were so many things that DC had to do for a certain amount of time 
And until then, they were under the mandate of Blackman Jones. Let me tell you how right. many lawyers got rich. Because see, the lawyers oh. get paid. The, the parents oh, yeah. get paid. Oh, the yeah. lawyers get paid. Mm -hmm. And there was so many laws. I mean, there was so there was so many lawyers who opened up these uh -huh. educational, you know, law offices right. because every time a parent said, "My child didn't get enough paper clips," mm -hmm. well, we're filing a <laughs> We're going to court because right there was a receivership, and it was an automatic thing. If it wasn't happening. It was mm -hmm. like boom. Well, your child is going to get a private tutor. They were giving away laptops. You yeah. would have you would have parents calling be like, "How do I get a laptop?" Because they oh. heard they heard from their cousin, sister, uncle, oh, friend. No, no, no. My money. child got to get that. We haven't had anything like that, but we did have a a case locally, uh, like the next town over. Uh, we had a mom sue the school a couple years back. I want to say 2011, 2012. Uh, about her son's services and lack thereof. And what she had did, she had went and had outside services provided. Uh, he was uh, on the spectrum, on the autism spectrum. Uh, and it was, they, they won a significant amount of money back and she then became an advocate. Uh, and she's, she, she is a strong, a very strong advocate. <laughs> uh, I am reading between those lines. <laughs> so that was my first, she, no, wait a minute. Let me go back. She did that a couple years ago. Tra go back to Jonathan's question about behavioral. Yes, that does cover that. Uh, my first year I had a very interesting a uh, behavioral case and uh, that person had an advocate. So mm -hmm. I yeah. dealt with all of that and that was my first year. And, so and, that and, was and, a lot. And in a lot of cases, you will see they will put some of the behavioral uh, the, or emotionally disturbed students in with um, self-contained with some of the uh, true learning disabilities. Right. Now you have this child that could truly be gifted and truly um, cognitively be well advanced and in, in the same class with somebody who has a learning disability. And because that child is not receiving the education or is not receiving the, the level of education that they meet, now you are heightening their emotional yeah. or behavioral issues that they because they're bored and so now yeah. they're looking for any opportunity to um to disturb um the classroom oh it, it becomes an entire issue but mm -hmm. then you have to think about the other side of it do yeah. i put this emotionally or behaviorally disturbed child in with the regular students and the first time somebody says boo at them now the whole classroom is torn up yeah and so um, now yeah, a lot of that falls under that that another one of those acronyms, least restrictive environment. You might hear people saying, yeah, um, good old um, LRE. L -R yeah. yeah, LRE, the least restrictive environment, meaning if a child, so for example, a child might be self-contained, meaning they're in a classroom of just students who have similar yeah. disabilities for every right. class except for PE, because yeah. they can go to PE. So now you have that one kid who's out once a day right. or twice a day 
you know, and again, that varies. That varies. The different, but right. but you might have a kid that's only in a re they call it a resource room mm -hmm. with us. They yeah, might only be I, in that's, resource. That's what they that's call it. So that's what I, that's what they I call, do. Okay. Mm -hmm. They that's may only be in math, and so the rest yeah. of the day they're in you know their general education right. classes, whether they really should be or not. Right. 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 And then that gets into the minutes served and all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, given that my school is a charter school, uh, we try to we try to have we we have to be very uh, good with our paperwork and stay accountable with our and logging our times and all of that. Mm -hmm. We we're that kind of school, so we I do a lot of paperwork. So that's why I'm thankful this year. Uh, most of my students are served in the resource setting, uh, and not like the inclusion setting where I have to teach with another teacher and co-teach. Uh, but again, I was going to say, thinking about what happened with uh, coronavirus, um, the virtual school model, we're having to create uh, different service plans to uh, provide them with those service minutes outside of their IEP. So we already we write their IEP so that they have minutes listed on there as if they were going to school. Right. But then we have an amendment that. Uh, dictates uh, their minutes in the hybrid or virtual model that they have chosen, which they have the freedom to go back and forth on. Um, to answer your question about that lighting situation, Jonathan, in all of the school districts that I've seen, you're not going to have any of that because um, then you get into the issue of lighting, whether or not a student can see and, yeah. and a lot of mandates that you have with regard to school systems are a blanket that is supposed to meet the needs of the masses and not the individual. So um, in terms of dimming lighting, most times that's going to be in the case of maybe you are got a projector up or you got some right. smart board or something like that. But for the most part, you are doing any dimming like right. that for that because you may get into situations where a child that needs glasses, maybe I can't see if you did right. lights. Um, even me as a teacher, Students complain about me as an English teacher saying, why do I have to write in pen? But my complaint is when you write in pencil, a lot of times if I have a bunch of pieces of paper and the pencil is next to each other, they start to slide and the, the, <laughs> it starts to fade. I can't read some of that stuff. I tell mm -hmm. students only write on one side of the paper because if you have the wrong kind of pen, it's going to bleed through and right. I can't see, you know, the further back. And, the students only thinking about themselves, not thinking about the fact that I have to deal with 185 students right. and I have to read exactly. 185. Right. And I do the same thing. They're not allowed. They're not. A, I was always this. The first school I worked in, which was a middle school, but at at the time it was one of the best middle schools in D.C. At the time, the students, the only time students were allowed to use pencil was science and math class. They were, mm -hmm. as a school rule, they were not allowed to use pencil in oh, class. Listen. South Carolina, they the parents would riot. I, they are not going to take being micromanaged. In, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, and see, the thing about it is, too, and one thing I tell parents when we have open house, I tell a parent, when you come to the school, and I taught um, general ed, so I could make this announcement, unless your <laughs> child has an IEP, you have to understand that rules and procedures and policies are in place for all students. For all students. Because you are thinking about your one, yes. and I have to think about 185. The school has to think about 2,500. 
and you might be thinking about one or two. And so you can ex you cannot come to a school ex or my classroom expecting me to bend rules and policies right. on your two when I have 185. I don't even just have right. the 35 that are in that class, period. Right, exactly. With me being at a school of choice, like we can be a little bit more flexible with that. We're like, if you're not going to follow X, Y, and Z, you you're going to have to go back to your home school. Mm -hmm. uh, so we disciplined is interesting that and just in my observation, um, yeah, this <laughs> I get it. Listen, I, and I've worked in both, so <laughs> I, I understand the difference. I know what it, I, I, I know exactly where because I've dealt with both too. But I do know also, even though they've changed some of the rules, um, statewide now in high schools, now we used to go to do it in middle school, we still hold above uh, over their head, hey, boo, you got three days before you turn 16. Keep playing. <laughs> And we will withdraw you from school and tell you to go to adult education because you're 16 now. We don't got to keep you here. Listen, uh, Shawana, that's not an accommodation. Those are your services. I suggest you go talk about that. If y'all haven't got that cleared up yet, I would suggest handling that quick. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was <laughs> you need to contact the special education office for your school district. I, I don't even know if I would call the school. Well, I would call the school. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you probably talk to the school and it's not happening, I would go to the office. The whoever, Wherever the special education office is, right. that's who I would contact tonight. I would send an email tonight, so whoever need to get it first thing Monday or Tuesday morning. Uh, um, uh, I can't imagine me doing that. <laughs> that's funny. I cannot imagine not knowing somebody's on my caseload and not seeing them for two weeks. That would yeah. that would that would blow that my would, mind. Yeah, I've been it before. I've been a, and I'm sure really be you probably know being that general ed teacher, you're supposed to have an inclusion teacher, and they don't show up for two or three weeks. Talk about oh, I was over here doing IEPs for three weeks. I ain't oh no, I try to. I, I'm very good. I try to fix my schedule. <laughs> they I have my schedule laid out. It's a lot. In three weeks. Listen, no offense, Dad. my accommodations. Listen, what? no offense, Dad, to your people. But that's the quickest. Don't they use that one? I was in an so IEP. I, I, I had to write an IEP. Don't do us. Don't do us. I was getting these logs turned in. Right. Y'all late, late with them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny is, Especially when that special when the time. IEPs come due, honey. The time. I just, I just finished uh, my first new evaluation of the year. His meeting is in a couple no, weeks. No, no, no. I was the general ed teacher. I was English department chair, but I was also department chair for ESOL and ESL. So we had to do all of the paperwork for that as well. Yep. So we <laughs> used to come and be talking about stuff. I would do IEP. I said, girl, I ain't trying to hear you. I got my own paperwork to do, but I've got to be in this class every day. Okay. Miss Honey <laughs> said, she said she dated teachers in the past. She said, y'all ain't never on time for dinner. During no, I, I don't take work paper. home. No, I might be tired when I get home, but I'm not doing too much work. Listen, I, I I learned, let me tell y'all this. I learned that later on in my career. It was no, really I, I knew from day one I wouldn't get I didn't. Now that was that. something I had to learn too. My first year teaching, one of my one of my mentor teachers, and I think I told this story before. I will never forget Geraldine Armstrong. Okay. She on, was Geraldine. She Geraldine. was <laughs> okay, Geraldine. Yes, ma'am. She was alive. Okay. Her I love, husband, it. I love was, it. Um, 
her and her husband were high school sweethearts. They were from St. Lucia. Both of them came over here to go to Howard University. She was a teacher. He was a doctor. Oh. And I mean, she did stuff like came back from Christmas when she already had a Benz. Remember the first year that the Benz truck came out? We came back from Christmas. She had one. It was sitting in her driveway Christmas morning with a bum on it. Okay. So I remember my first year teaching. She used to stroll. And when I say stroll, we got off when I we got off work at 3:15. At 3:20, she was strolling to her car with her Louis Vuitton clutch um over her shoulder. And I said to her, I mean, on her arm, I said to her, I said, and I, here I am struggling with four and five bags, trying to. I'm leaving work Listen. at five o'clock, five thirty. And if I said, don't fit, if it don't fit in here, it don't come home. I said, I told her, I said, when I grow up, I want to be like you, honey. By my third year teaching, I was walking right along with her at three six three thirty. I was right there with her. It ain't take me long, but honey, listen. Right, right. Listen. Uh, IEP is a individualized education plan. She said, "What is an IAP?" She is said, it an plan? No, I think IEP. Oh, oh, she said, "Oh, okay." I'm sorry. Oh, Lord, my eyes. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that must be a new one, right? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had a student that had been in sped in grade school but didn't need those accommodations in college to succeed? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. but and I and I'll tell you from having taught on the college level. Very few students continue with um, um, those accommodations yeah. on the college level. Very. And the reality is, they can until they're twenty-one. But you have to go to when you. But you have to be very proactive mm-hmm. when you get to college. You have to seek out, and you right. have to be very proactive with what your accommodations are, your IEP. But it's still after twenty-one. It, it's not. It's not. And then on the college level, the accommodation becomes the the um the duty of that student and no longer the teacher right. whereas um huh i just say that you didn't say that like that i what did just say that no no you didn't Des, did i not just say that that the teacher, that it falls on the student and the student has to be proactive well, what i mean by that is this you said it falls mm-hmm. on the student in terms of them making sure that they inform them what i'm saying is about all of it falls on the student and oh. that's like since mine are in fifth grade, you know, fifth grade is that little more you almost in middle school, but not quite. And uh-huh. it's like I have to like I'm very I've always since day one, my first year, I was like, no one's going to know you need help unless you let them know. Because you learn to let people know what you need and be very transparent because we are here for you. Uh, I'm and very, very strong about that. In college, you don't have differentiated instruction. You have differentiated right. learning. Baby, you got to change your learning style. Baby, <laughs> professor, you have to be flexible. Okay. So, um, um, Young Rich, you asked a question a, a, a few minutes ago, and I never got to it, but I'm going to finish it up because we get ready to we get ready to get out of here. But um, you, well, asked, you asked if No Child Left Behind is no longer um, um, enacted. And what I'm gonna say is this: it still exists, but a lot of the a lot of the policies of No Child Left Behind have been suspended or not being enforced. Now, does it still exist? Yeah, it still exists. It hasn't been repealed totally, um, but a lot of the policies that were in place aren't aren't being enforced right now. Do you rise at the same time as you would with the school instruction? In other words, are you? Uh. You know what? Here's the reality, Jonathan. 
She wasn't waking up on time when she was going in the now you See, first of all, you're telling Listen, my if I can, first first of all, if I can get business. those April naps back. Don't if tell I can get those April naps back. Okay. Man. Don't tell my I can tell y'all that a lot of times that I would call really be and be like, <laughs> get to this school. Baby. I got first period planning too. Listen, I know what's up. <laughs> Here's the thing. I got this from my dad. My dad would have a time that he wanted to be at work and a time he had to be at work. And my father would always be like, I'm running late. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. And finally, because my mother always left for work before my dad. So I never knew that to be true or false. I know he used to always complain that he was late. But mm -hmm. what I found out was if my father had to be at work at 730, in his mind, I got to be at work at 7. So if he was after 7, then in his mind, he was late. But he was never late for work. So right. I, that's my thing. I'm late for the time I want to be at work. But I right. ain't late for work. Now, I did have a few days that I used right. my... Hey, you forgot you started to be here. You forgot? Listen, we were on the phone a lot of these times. Don't do listen, me. Don't do me. There were a few times. There were a few. A few? It wasn't that many. That don't do me. It wasn't that many. <laughs> hey, Fifi TV. Hey, Fifi. Uh, but up, as far Fifi? as what time do I get up now? The reality of the situation is, I probably do get up later. Um, but because when I had to get up to go to when I had to go to work, I was walking out the door by seven fifteen. I was walking out the house yeah, by seven fifteen. That's my, my goal. Class, yeah, my that's earliest my class is at seven thirty. So I'm up by seven fifteen. But I'm not up dressed, ready to walk out the door by 7.15 if I had to go to work. But I'm up. Oh, I get there. We're supposed to be there at 7.30. I don't have duty, so technically I don't have an obligation first thing in the morning. So I try to walk out the door around 7.15 because I live just a couple minutes down the street. Uh, but I don't have quite... My, my second period class is my first class of the day. And I don't start till 9.04. Okay. So I have a... I have a good chunk of the day to get paperwork done. Oh, uh, yeah. You got but I have first period planning, too, and, you know, whatever. Uh, Crispy, you're supposed to have an IEP for every student before that first week. Right. right. And, uh, my district may not have a full IEP. They have um, a lot of time they'll give you the IEP summary. Yeah, we, we call it that, but that's what it is. You should have had that the first day. You should have had that school. before the first day of school, really. And in the snapshot, or in the summary, it's going to list all of the accommodations. Um, it yeah. may not tell you go into detail about all of the rationale and how we got to that point, like the IEP will. Right. Right. And Crispy, let me say this to you as someone who used to be an advocate, and I'm sure Des can speak from the point of view of, of uh, a spare teacher. Yes. That was the responsibility of his caseworker to get that to you. But if you know you have follow you. That, if you right, if you know you have students that, that right. have IEPs, then they're gonna it's gonna fall on you to be like, well, you didn't follow up and you weren't mm -hmm. given the, the proper instruction. So you mm -hmm. I would it's gonna follow you. It should be a marking. I mean, every school district uh, on your grade book, it has a little marking that lets you know students that are ESL, students that are sped. And so that you know which students need whatever accommodation, be they English speakers yeah, or, or uh, be it spit. And once you know that your student is one of those two, those are the two big ones, ESL and spit. Once you know you have students that. Yep. And if a parent has told you, 
especially if a parent has emailed you or if a student has told you, Listen. you are now responsible regardless of what the case manager did or did not do. So Listen. I was sending email tonight. I think El Teddy is- um, They will come knock on your door and say, come print all this shit out. <laughs> exactly. So I was sending email. I know it's Friday, but I was sending people to talk to. Yeah, I was sending email tonight. (laughs) Send it to the and I was sending to the department chair, the special ed department chair. Don't put don't throw nobody under the bus. But I was sending email to the department chair saying, "Hey, I haven't received any snapshots or any student IEPs. What's good? Sometimes you got to give a little shove. Yeah, you got." You got to send an email and CC the right people. Yeah, send because you might not know who person and CC the administrator yeah. over that grade level or the administrator yeah. over SPED. Yeah. Have you been to fifth week of school? And I just wanted to know when should I expect to be receiving yeah. um, the IEP that, or the list of accommodation for these mm-hmm. students because I, I have not received yeah. them yet. Because trust me, when it's time for a due process, like mm-hmm. I was just saying a few minutes ago, your name going to be on the same paperwork as his case manager because you are a teacher. And I promise you, the parent don't care whether you knew or not. The school is, st- and the last thing you want to do is walk into an IEP meeting and say you ain't know a child with special ed. Please don't ever do that. Don't. Because guess don't. what? Ah, I have job is the right here. school. Nah, it's, I was real anal right about paperwork. It's for, right here. I was real anal about paperwork for sped students because I was good <laughs> for a sped student, but. From the first day of school, I met with my sped students. Y'all see me after class. I ain't say why. I just said these students see me after class. After that class, I said, at the end of every class period, you will come over here and I have a log where each, I have a page for each student of their accommodations. Please uh, initial and date the accommodations that you received today. Listen, I'm like, so y'all, the, the date's on the board. Stop asking me. Have on my document. I had a notebook. They had all of my sped kids and I had a checklist and and I got this when I worked at the jail. My principal had created this and I stole it. I said, Oh, this is the mm-hmm. best thing I have ever seen. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you you see you, you find all kinds of stuff. You hold I mean, on to that. Yeah. And you it was a checklist. And so it had the student's name and it was dated. And there you go down the checklist. What accommodation did you do that day? And I would keep that checklist. I had a separate notebook, but whatever, so whenever there was a lesson plan. I could always say what the accommodation was in that lesson plan. Okay, with that. Always in the, and see, a, a parent got upset with me because she thought that the accommodation had to be exclusive to the um, spare student. And I said, no, not so, ma'am. When I give accommodation, I'm giving accommodations to right. the entire class because I don't want the class to know that your child is exactly. uh, needing accommodations. So, exactly. man, go ahead and everybody get uh, extended time if they request it or if they do it. <laughs> My see, my school does that a little different. Like, I we have scheduled. They have when they schedule a test in the class in their gen ed classroom, they come to me to take that test for small group testing, uh, or oral admin if they are uh, so many grade levels below. I know, uh, and um, a lot of times, high school student will have to ask. Yeah, for those accommodations, a lot of times um, the student will say, "Can I go?" And you know, take um, with so and so. I would have already emailed their um, case uh, manager and stuff like that, and let them know that we have testing on this day. They would all. Be oh yeah, I have a Google Calendar. Yeah. I'm like y'all. If y'all don't submit, but only if they ask. If you okay. don't submit your testing dates three days before, I'm gonna send a snarky message to you 
ask you why their children why their children, why children at my door. Uh, if you didn't tell me, <laughs> y'all had a test today. Right. Exactly. The thing about it is, especially on the high school level, where subject areas are very specified, you have to have a real good knowledge of stuff. Yeah. A student taking a test with that case manager is not going to do them any justice because they might not be able to answer the questions or give them all of the accommodations that they need with regard to that test or the information that they should um, get from now, that. One thing I wish people got was that special ed teachers, yes, we are there to service your student, but we specialize in intensive instruction not specialized content of those upper grade level materials. Now, let me ask you this, Des, do they make, yeah. um, in your district, do they make special education teachers get certified in a specific subject area? No. See, in my district and the districts that I've taught in, even if you were certified in special ed, you still mm -hmm. had to have a content area that you were um, certified in, be it English or math or mm -hmm. Social, whatever your con, you had to have in addition to certification in yeah. education. You right. also had to, so that way, if they needed to, for you to be an inclusion teacher, they knew right. you could be an inclusion teacher for right. X class, or mm -hmm. if you needed to give accommodations. So, and so that became mandated um, yeah. statewide, I know in Florida. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, you guys, listen, um, El Teddy and I, we, we had this conversation. We said the conversation is probably going to flow a little bit. We were going to get into a little bit about um, charter versus public versus private. We spoke a little bit about charter and private school. I think somebody earlier in the chat said something about um, her nephew goes to a private school and they had some online classes. And the reality is because some, some private schools were already set up for that. Um, yeah. My nephew, yeah. um, my, he's not my nephew, he's my little cousin. When he was in high school, he went to a private high school and he's in his third year of law school now. So you can imagine that was what, eight years ago, about right. seven eight years ago that, um, but, uh, you know, that he was in high school. They never they didn't even have snow days because even if the kids were home for a snow day, the expectation was that the teachers still had to send out assignments. Um, they had a system set up like Google mm -hmm. Classroom. It's not, yeah. I'm sure it was like Blackboard or something like that. And That's, the I'm thankful we had that because that made that transition of yes. getting information out a little bit exactly. easier than if you did exactly. not. If you didn't, if was, we, we have Schoology. If we didn't have that, I, it would have been an interesting. Right. And that was, uh, right. And that was, um, you know, like I said, that was seven years ago, seven, eight years ago. So, you know, some, like I said at the beginning, some schools were ready for remote learning most were not right most were not so i say this to everybody please if you have not subscribed please subscribe tell a friend to tell a friend as ebby would say um <laughs> i will be going live on my personal youtube channel in about 30 minutes y'all i'm starving i haven't eaten so i'm gonna try to get uh, uh, wolf something down real quick but i'll be going live at 6 30 um over on my channel, El Teddy. If you are not subscribed to his I'm personal channel, we're live late tonight. We're gonna have a boys' night out tonight. Okay, well, listen, uh, that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother channel. Des, please check out. Please check out Discovering Dance. He is an educator, but he also does mukbangs and he does reaction videos and things of that yes, nature over yes. on his channel. So check him out as well, you guys. Thank I want to thank so everybody for, for coming me. through everybody for participating in the chat it makes it a lot easier when you guys are asking questions and carrying on a conversation i hope you were able to get some information the whole purpose of this platform is for you guys to walk away with more information that can help 
bridge the gap between parents and educators and all of that good stuff. And we will continue to be here to help you guys walk through this whole remote learning situation. Some of us are figuring it out as we go, just like y'all. We're, 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 we're hand in hand. We're hand right, in we'll hand. bring you what we have. So thank y'all. And thank you, Des, for jumping on. As always, you know, thank the platform is open thank to you. you. And I appreciate you coming through and sharing because, again, I know special education, but I don't teach special education. It's right. always different perspectives. Right. So I thank you guys. And it, it varies a lot. With that, I'm going to let El Teddy have the last word. I get the last word? Thank you all for um, coming over and thank you all for watching us. Please do not um, neglect. Send us an email. If you have questions, if you have topics that you'd like for us to unpack or discuss, please ask those questions. And I know at a at one point today, we did start to go a little bit into the politics of it all. And I do think that we do need to go down that road, especially with um, election season uh, um, upon us. You know, you have school board representatives that are going to be um, getting to be voted for. You may go to a forum where these people are, you know, available and you may want to be able to ask the right questions to these people. So please um, don't shy away from asking us things. I, I just thought about that really. Be We may want to go into, you know, a little bit of the politics behind education, because that is a large part of it. The money's involved. And, um, you know, and all of the things that go involved with education because i don't think we've, that we've tackled that but that is a very important part of it and, and as you can see it will dictate what happens with education more so than the educational process itself all right so um and that's all i wanted to say i said i was gonna give you the last word but i lied a mess <laughs> and we're also on um uh, we are also on podcast platforms, so you can catch us on Spreaker. You can catch us on um, um, iTunes and Spotify and Google Play. So you guys going over, even though you're catching us here live, go ahead and subscribe. And again, once again, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. I'm sorry, El Teddy. I apologize. I had no, to get that. You don't care. You don't care about I love you, though. I love you. All right, y'all. I'm hitting the button. Peace. You know what?